You're listening to Bits of Me, the podcast about women's bodies, all the things we should know about them, and all the stories behind them. In this episode, I talk to Elizabeth Sankey, a filmmaker, mother, and one half of the band Summer Camp. After the birth of her first child earlier this year, Elizabeth was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety. She tells me what it was like during those darkest moments, and how a mother and baby unit in London saved her life. If we go back to last summer, you were very pregnant. Mm-hmm. Can you remember what you thought that motherhood or the early weeks of motherhood would be like? What you expected? Yeah, I can remember that I thought it was all going to be fine. And that um, I remember that my mum and my mother-in-law were both saying, um, oh, you are you sure that you know you don't need to buy more stuff if you've got everything and <laughs> and I was like yeah it's fine don't worry god chill out um and I guess I was just thinking so much about the labor mm. and um I was really scared about that and I we were planning on having a home birth which was amazing because it meant we got the midwives uh, to come to our house which is great mm. um and so we had this amazing continuity of care and I had done these hypnobirthing courses and I thought that it was going to be like, you just breathe your baby out in a water birth, like pool in your living room. And yeah. um, it doesn't hurt as long as you do the breathing right. Uh, smash cut to me, like two weeks overdue. Um, everyone I knew texting me being like, where's the baby? <laughs> and me just wanting to <laughs> scream and um, being induced, it taking three days incredibly painful having an epidural mm. in a heat wave like so my I think I didn't really think about those first couple of weeks yeah. of being a parent which I don't think is a bad thing necessarily but I do feel like in our society there's so much about labor and there's very little about like those first three weeks other than people saying like oh make sure you get your sleep and you're like well, what I don't yeah. what mm. so, yeah so the labour, you you were induced and you didn't get what you had wanted, I suppose. But um, would you would you say that it was a good experience or what was it like? Uh, it's so tricky to talk about because I don't want to put anyone off. Um, but I do feel like there is the way that birth and labour is discussed is um, I think that there's a lot of issues around it. Mm. And I felt like I I felt very angry because I felt like I had been sort of pushed into thinking that it was going to be a certain way thanks to the courses that I did and the people around me as well. Um, and then discovered like, no, labour is, I think, especially first time mums, brutal, painful, bloody, yeah. violent, um, horrifying terrifying and mm. scary things happen we um i after like sort of yeah three days of being an impatient basically and, and just feeling like really furious with my body because mm. it just hadn't gone into labor spontane spontaneously like naturally mm. um we had the epidural i had the epidural and um they lost my son's heartbeat and oh god 
it was one of the like it was abs- I feel like I just broke in that moment mm. um and they uh pressed this button and about 20 midwives came running in and were all like what's going on what's going on there's this really loud alarm happening and um they were all holding up me and my husband's hands we're both crying I just thought he was dead and then they were like no it's fine it's fine it's fine and I had basically dilated um, from like two centimeters to 10 centimeters in 15 minutes and he wow. just slipped into my birth canal so it ended up being incredible and that was like a really euphoric moment mm. but it was also incredibly traumatic and I would guess I would that's what I would say about labor in general is that it's very traumatic but also you would 100% do it again yeah. <laughs> because it's you feel absolutely incredible afterwards and um it's totally worth it. Mm. And it's really not that bad, but it is that bad. I don't know, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. So then afterwards, at what point, is there a specific moment when you started thinking that maybe something was wrong? <laughs> yes. So for the three days that it took me to give birth, I basically didn't sleep for those three days. Um, and then my son was born... We went home. I went home the next day. I didn't sleep again that night. And basically, I ended up not sleeping for six days. And he was born on the Wednesday. And by the Sunday, I was starting to feel really weird. And I remember saying at some point to my husband, I feel really nervous. And I don't know why, because there's nothing to be nervous about. Mm. And then um, I just remember being in the kitchen and the baby was crying and my husband was holding him and he was like, I need you to take him just while I do something. And I just like remember just backing away from them and just feeling like I wanted to run away. Mm. And um, it just felt terrifying. <laughs> and yeah. I, I just thought I'd made like a huge mistake. So it happened really, really quickly. It happened like, yeah, in a couple of days, um, just suddenly I was there. Mm. And did it go away then? Or were you just in that weird space after that? Well, we went to A&E that night um, because we called one of the home birth midwives and um, she was amazing. And she was like, I think you should go to A&E to get a psych evaluation. Mm. Um, oh, by the way, there is work going on like in my area. So I'm really sorry if that's it, audible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she took us to, we went to A&E and she met up met us there and um we I had my first psych evaluation and they said oh it's just baby blues and it was this very nice uh doctor and yeah he was like it's just baby blues um you need to be able to sleep well I could prescribe you something to help you sleep but you were still breastfeeding so I don't want to do that maybe try formula for a bit to make sure he's like because that was the other thing is my son was just like feeding and feeding and feeding constantly which is normal yeah but um it just meant that I wasn't sleeping at all. Mm. Um, yeah, so he didn't prescribe anything. But at that point, I just really wanted to be okay. And I just kept being like, is it just baby blues? And they'd be like, yeah, it's just baby blues. And I'd be like, oh, thank God. Okay, fine. I can handle it. If this is if this is going to pass soon, that's fine. I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm fine. And yeah. like finding little things to sort of hang on to. Like, mm. oh, well, we could go and stay with my parents. Or they could come, my parents could come every day and help us. Or if I just sleep, I'll be fine. And mm. like just trying to sort of uh, negotiate my way out of it, I guess. Mm. Um, and so it... The thing about it is that there's big fluctuations um, in general with um, maternal 
like mental health problems and postpartum mental health problems. So I'm sure that I was fluctuating and that I know that there were times that I was okay. Mm. But looking back on it now, it feels like I, from that first psych evaluation to me being admitted to the MBU, I wasn't okay. Yeah. Um, I was, it was just sometimes I was coping. Mm. And also um, quite quickly, I was put onto a uh, tranquilizer called lorazepam, which if any doctor ever suggests you take lorazepam, please don't take lorazepam um, because it is amazing, but it's incredibly addictive and um, causes so many problems. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, you've talked a lot about this um, and you've tweeted about how yourself and your husband were sort of trying to get help in a number of different ways for quite some time. Like you went to the GP, um, mm. you even called an ambulance a couple of times. What was that like, trying to get help and not really being heard? It's so difficult because I do think I do think I was being heard. Um, clearly I was because I got help very, very quickly. Mm. Um, but it's just, I think the problem is, and this is a huge generalisation, but the people who got it and who took me seriously tended to be female. Yeah. And the men I spoke to in these situations, while lovely and brilliant, didn't get it as much. That doctor that told me it was just baby blues and that first A&E assessment, I later saw him when I was in the MBU, he was working that night and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> hi. And he was like, yeah, I heard your situation had deteriorated quite a lot. And I was like, yes, yeah, yes it did. And I'm not resentful or angry at those people who didn't sort of see it. But I mm. do think there is sometimes a failure to look past somebody who's just kind of really trying to cope. Yeah. And to maybe be like, I don't think this, I don't think, not that they're not being honest, but I think that maybe something uh, a lot worse is happening here than than you're sort of presenting, as they say. Mm. Uh, so that was what was hard. And also the other thing is, yes, um, I got help very quickly, but also I'm a white privileged woman with English as my first language. Yeah. And um, I'm articulate and confident and I was not willing to put up with it, <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And that troubled me. That troubles me now because I feel like uh, I felt like I deserved help and mm. was, come on, I'm going to get it. Um and I think I worry a lot about the women who maybe wouldn't have that confidence or that support. And also I was in a WhatsApp group with incredible women, some of whom uh, work in for the NHS, are GPs or kind of um, A&E doctors. And they would say to me, right, this isn't normal. You need to go and do this. Mm. You need to ask for this dose. You should get on this. And without that, I don't know that anyone, that I would have even taken it as seriously. And it might have lasted for months if not years yeah because because no one around me as well wanted it to be that I was really ill we all just wanted it to be that I was like oh just having a bit of a tough time just yeah. needing to sleep of course yeah um even my husband you know as much as he loves me and was very supportive did not want me to be that ill mm. and uh I had to really be like I'm sorry I'm really sorry but I'm I am this ill mm. I know there were a couple of times when someone, I think maybe a nurse, 
asked you did you want to go to hospital and maybe you knew that you should but you said no and then eventually at one point you said yes um Mm. what had shifted in you do you think and what made you think that actually this isn't working it was basically that um I mean, from the very first time I went to a and I remember thinking, are they going to try and put me in hospital? And then thinking, oh, God, it would be so nice to go into hospital <laughs> right now. Like, I kind of just want to go back into hospital. Yeah. Um, but then they would sort of say, oh, you'd be put on an acute ward, which is for women with mental health problems from you know, of all spectrums. Mm. And they would say, oh, that's not the safest place to get well sometimes. And But I kind of now feel like, God, you know, I would much, I would have been fine going to an acute ward for a couple of weeks if yeah. it meant that I was well for the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? So um, I felt like there was a lot of like fear around being in an acute ward and that was sort of told to me mm. um, or like, communicated to me in a way which maybe wasn't so helpful Mm. Uh, because ultimately if it's between like your life and being in hospital for a couple of weeks I know which one I would pick but yeah um so I just remember just really wanting to be in hospital or just not wanting to go home Mm. just really not wanting to be at home I didn't feel safe at home um and at the same time felt so guilty about that and felt like I was really letting my husband and my son down and yeah um missing them but anyway so then I think what happened was the third time I went to ONE, which was the last time one of the women from the whatsapp group who is a GP said you need to go to ONE right now this isn't normal hmm. and my husband like by this point it was quite normal for me to go for going to ONE. he was like okay cool yeah going to ONE. and um and he couldn't drive me because he needed to look after the baby and also I was just like it's just gonna be weird so I was gonna get a cab and then this lovely woman um, came and picked me up. We'd never met before. Picked me up and drove me to A&E. And she couldn't come in with me, but she said, look, you have to be really honest. You have to tell them what you've been thinking, what you've been feeling. And um, I just started to realise that I really needed to sort of show how bad I was. Mm. Um, when you say that she had told you to be very clear and specific about what you've been thinking and feeling, um, what kind of thoughts are we talking about? Uh, suicide. Um, what happens in these cases is quite often very common. You have like thoughts about harming your child and women incredibly rarely actually do that. Mm. What they are much more likely to do and what a lot of them do do is harm themselves. Yeah. Because you, and that's how I felt. I was like, I can't look after him. I'm worried I might, you know, hurt him because this is such a horrible situation and a part of my brain is like, oh, it's normal to, not normal. It's like, if he's the thing that is making my life different, so maybe if he wasn't here, it's a horrible thought, but I'm going to be honest about it because it's very common. Maybe if he wasn't here, I would be better, which obviously isn't the case. Mm. Um, But then you're like, no, I couldn't possibly because I love him too much, so I'll just kill myself instead. Um, So that was what, she told, said that I had to be honest about was the thoughts of harming him that I'd had. Mm. Um, and so you went into a mother and baby unit eventually. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Um, oh, it's like, it's so funny now because it's a bit like, I don't know if you had the same thing as I did, but 
you know when you start off at school and it's really scary and it's there's like lots of new people and you just kind of want to be at home and you don't feel very safe mm. and then by the time you leave school you're like I own this place I'm friends <laughs> with everybody yeah. <laughs> like this is my town and um so I started off like that so you go in and and the idea that I was, there are like so many funny things about it. Like the reason I wanted a home birth was because I was worried my husband Jeremy wouldn't be able to come to the birth because of COVID. Yeah. And I just, and also, and I didn't want to be in hospital without him. Mm. And I ended up being in hospital for a month without him. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's just so many yeah. funny things like that. But yeah, so I was, you know, I I knew that it was, I needed to do it. and um, And so I felt like it was me really making the choice to do it. And then I got there and I was like, maybe I'm not that ill. And then one of the lovely doctors or like, sorry, he's not a doctor. One of the nurse, nurses was like, we've seen your file. We don't take just like anyone just for fun. Like <laughs> you definitely need to be here. Um, mm. And yeah, so it went from being very scary. It's very strange. You know, there's your there's people kind of coming in your room at night and stuff there's people checking on you they take away it's a psychiatric ward so they take away your you know all of your cables all of your plastic bags mm. but it's also really lovely like there's I had an ensuite I had this nice big room I had a desk I had a wardrobe I had a cot for my son um the nurses are lovely so like if there's anything, any questions you have about your baby, they will help you. They will sort of support you with that. Mm. Uh, if you're tired, they'll take them so that you can nap. Um, they, uh, they're funny. They're lovely. You get to know them. And they're just whatever you need in terms of your care, they're there. But at the same time, you are very aware that like, ultimately the the goal is that you don't need them and you can look after your baby on your own and you're well enough to do that yeah and so um it's just I really can't describe how incredible the place it was and how much I feel like it provides women with care that they all to be honest probably need yeah. when they become mothers like mm. I, I think that's you know my mum says when she gave birth to my sister who's my older sister she was in hospital with her for like five days mm. and then you know you get that support um one of the women I was in the ward with is from Sierra Leone and she said that there for the first three months the women do nothing and all of the other women in the kind of family just do everything for them and all yeah. they have to do is like feed the baby and sometimes not even that mm. um and I feel like in our society you know I went home six hours after giving birth or something uh which is seen as normal yeah but at the same time like <laughs> there's a lot to process mm. uh when those changes happen so yeah the mother movie unit was incredible I made lifelong friends there um mm. but what's so strange as well is that when you're like leaving for you, it's been this huge thing in your life and it's changed you and you're a better, stronger person because of it. And it's so emotional. But like, you just, I like packed up my room and was like, okay, I'm going. And they're like, all right, bye. Because <laughs> for them, it's just a job and they see yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women. And mm. they know, like one of the nurses said to me like, um, they know that we're going to get better, basically. And so we're there like being like, I'm so ill and you're not, I'm never going to get better. I'm the one person that you're never going to be able to save. And they're like, oh my God, come on. Like we've, we know what we're doing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So yeah, it's and what is that? Like, how would you describe what it is that they're doing? I mean, they help you out and make sure that you get rest. But what else happens when you're in there? It's basically a place that keeps you safe until your medication starts working. Mm. In in the like barest description of it, like it's a lot of other things as well. But it's especially during COVID because it's harder for groups and stuff to happen. Yeah. I think that the main purpose of it is you have one team that is overseeing all of your care, which if you're not on a hospital ward, you don't have that because say, for example, you talk to one GP and they say, oh, well, you should maybe be on this. And then you talk to another GP and they say, I don't really believe in medication. So I don't think you should be on that. And you're kind of getting advice from lots of different people. Whereas with this, you have... Dr. Olivia Protti, who is um, this incredible consultant psychiatrist, and she just fine tunes and kind of like knows what women need Mm. um, just after like a sort of discussion with them. And they just get your meds right. um, And then, yeah, give you that support and that safe space. And um, they're just there. And also the other thing they do, which I really (laughs) abused (laughs) to the point they were like, okay, we're going to have to stop doing this now. They just come and talk to you. Mm. So like I would go and be like, I, can I just talk to someone? And they would just put someone in my room with me and I would just be like, hi, how are you? Because <laughs> that was what really helped me um, to sort of distract me. Uh, but yeah, they're just, oh, it's it's an incredible place. Mm. When, you, when you started tweeting and talking about this, is that something that you were very conscious about or is it something that just happened? I mean, it was conscious in that I did it, um, but <laughs> yeah. it's so strange now because when I did that, when I first started tweeting about it, I didn't know that postpartum anxiety existed. I think a lot of people did, but I didn't. I knew about postpartum psychosis and I knew about postpartum depression, mm. but the anxiety just had no idea. And so when it started happening, I just, I thought that like my life was over and you know, that I was going to be like this for always, for, forever. I didn't know it was something that could get treated. Yeah. So when I first started tweeting about it, um, I wanted to sort of raise awareness of that. But more importantly, to be honest, I wanted someone to tweet me and say, oh my gosh, I've had that. Just take this pill, you'll be fine. Yeah. Or just read this book, you'll be fine. Or just, just someone to help me, basically. Mm. I was just so desperate for help. And I, I, I wasn't... I don't know what I was expecting. Um, I was hoping for that. And I sort of got that in a big way because I got lots of women who had been there getting in touch with me and giving me their phone numbers and saying, call me. And I did. And that, to be honest, most of the time, that was what the only thing that helped me when I was feeling suicidal on the ward, Mm. um, other than their staff. But now it's very strange because everyone knows. And I mean, everyone Mm. knows. Like, and I... I'm very aware of that when I sort of see people and I'm very aware of that in terms of like work things. Yeah. And I'm such, obviously like I write songs and have made a film and stuff and do write things, but I'm very, very private about things that have happened to me in terms of um, traumas in my life, etc. cetera. Mm. And so this <laughs> being out there is, very very odd and also especially when it's connected to someone so vulnerable you know my son yeah um but I am glad I did it but I do feel like it's very very different 
chew anything else I've ever done. Mm. And it was funny, like, because I tweeted it when I was in the ward and then I said to my husband, oh, I've done these tweets. And he was like, okay, cool. And then he was like, came to see me that day and he was like reading all the replies. I'm like, wow, so much support. And I was just like, yeah, but nobody said what I should do. <laughs> I kind of, it was, it was so lovely that people were really nice and were tweeting me about it and being really supportive and sending me lovely messages. But I was, that wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need like more followers. I needed somebody to tell me what the fuck to do to get better. <laughs> um, so yeah. But but yeah, it's it's a funny thing and I don't know if I'll ever really know how I feel about it, to be honest. Yeah. And how do you feel about those early days now, looking back? And the, when he was born? Yeah, when you started to feel unwell, I suppose. Um, it's all such a blur. And I can remember sort of fragments of it, but I think I have a bit of PTSD about that as well because mm. it it just was so strange I just remember feeling really needy and I just really didn't like who I was and feeling really scared and ashamed and guilty mm. um, and now it's quite hard because I look at photos and stuff from that time when he was really small and um, I just feel like not that I missed out on it but just that there was a period of time where I wasn't healthy when he was there and yeah. that's a shame. That's a big shame. But thank God it only took me a month to get better. Mm. Um, and do you feel back to yourself completely now? I do. I feel a lot more vulnerable and a lot more sensitive. Mm. And it's just a strange thing because I've never had to think about how I feel, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it's quite hard to trust your brain again and um to not sort of constantly be scanning yourself as is that anxiety is it coming back mm. and it's funny i the author laura dockrell has been absolutely amazing um she had experience with obviously postpartum psychosis and yeah she genuinely i think couldn't i couldn't have got through it without her um but when i when i got out i was like oh i feel i'm feeling okay but I'm just so scared of relapse. And she was like, ha, ha, ha. Welcome to the rest of your life. We all fear the relapse and it never, ever comes. Yeah. Uh, because the thing is that you're on medication, so mm. you're very stable. But it's just I, it's just wild to me that, that it's hormones, really, that yeah. got me to that place. Mm. Do you feel like you kind of, do you understand what happened to you? Like, do you look at it now and go, oh yeah, this is what happened and this is where I am. Um, do you feel like it's been explained to you? That's such a good question. No, I don't think I do. I don't think I do understand what happened, to be mm. honest. Does anyone know I why? I don't know why. Yeah. I think, I don't know. <laughs> and I think it must, it is hormonal, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's just, I think that, and I think that's what's so scary about it. And I keep trying to work it out. I keep trying to think like, well, maybe it was that. Um, and people really wanted to be COVID and I don't think it was COVID. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was always going to happen to me mm. um, because I think it's, it was my body. But part of me is like, is it because I was induced? Is it because I had the epidural? And I don't think it was. Mm. And then there's other stuff like, um, this is a bit of a TMI, but I stopped breastfeeding after like a week to be honest 
um, and I'm very evangelical now about formula, but <laughs> I, um, I'm still producing milk like three months later. Oh, and so wow. I was like, oh, that must be it. Like that must just be an indicator that my hormones are crazy. And I asked one of the doctors in my WhatsApp group and she was like, no, that's just <laughs> relactation. That's like normal. I was like, ah, oh. because I do think I want to know, but I, then that, that's the problem with so much of like female medicine is that we just don't know stuff. Yeah. Because it's not women getting the opportunities to do the research. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So you're still in contact with the women from the MBU? Yes. Yeah, we we talk all the time. Yeah, it's great. It's like a really weird little NCT group. <laughs> What would you say to a new mother who comes home from hospital um, after giving birth and who isn't coping and just doesn't feel right? I think talk to other mums and find out if they have felt similarly. Mm. Because there are aspects of it. There are some things that are normal in terms of you know when your milk comes in and, and hormones do make you very very up and down yeah especially in the, that beginning week that's what I found because I was like calling mums being like is this normal and they were like oh yeah yeah, yeah that's fine yeah oh, god I just cried all day when then my milk came in I was like okay okay <laughs> but if it carries on or you have any sort of symptoms of like especially with psychosis um you need to look out for like people feeling like you're being watched mm. um, or that there's like a conspiracy against you, things like that. Yeah. Definitely keep an eye out for that. And that's really for partners to, to know, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't feel like you're okay and it's going on and it's getting worse and you're having suicidal thoughts, then please, 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 please. Either like message me on Twitter <laughs> or if you want to like actually go to a professional, call your GP um yeah but also try and find other women who've been there because uh that will really help you hmm. i guess i just want women to know that they don't need to be ashamed of these things yeah and that i feel like there's a lot of pressure on women anyway to be handling everything um and actually the way that motherhood is in our society is very bizarre and not yeah. really the best thing for um for women and mm. that it's okay if you need more support or if you're not feeling right i remember one of my friends when i spoke to her about how i was feeling very early on she was like look just if you're really not doing well take antidepressants yeah it's not a big deal loads of women take them and that really helped because that's the thing as well is that these mental health these illnesses are horrible but they're also incredibly treatable. Yeah. Um, and so you will recover. All women recover. Mm. Um, you just need to get the right meds and the right support. Mm. That was Elizabeth Sankey on Bits of Me. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram, where you'll find her as Sankles. I'll also link an article she wrote about her experience for The Telegraph in the show notes. If you want to follow Bits of Me, please subscribe to the podcast or follow the links to the social media channels in the show notes. Sharing, rating and reviewing also means a lot. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.